Hello, and welcome to Double Exposure, what is usually a conversation podcast about comparing and contrasting cinema old and new, viewing two films through the same lens, is now, for this episode only, an Oscars podcast. Today, we have a special episode where a couple guests and myself will be discussing all things Academy Awards in anticipation for the 93rd televised installment this coming weekend. It's been a weird-ass 13 months. In that time span, we have seen a lot of confusion as far as where the film industry stands after a global pandemic has occurred. Even in the middle of it all, the Oscars still stand, and with it comes a sort of masked-up audience, Zoom call acceptance speeches, and the very tame approach of having zero host. Advertisers might also be in for a rough time with speculation that this year could be the lowest ratings the awards have ever seen. With how well pandemic-era award shows have gone in the last six months, it isn't looking great. But there is a lot to be positive about with the wonderful array of films that were nominated this year, the standout performances, and the exquisite film scores. We can't wait to discuss these films and also give out some of our predictions for the awards at the end. And to help me discuss this year's Academy Awards are a couple fellow podcasters that you may be familiar with. And those people are Matt Watson. Hello. And Audra Stevenson. Hi there. Thank you, you two, for joining me on this uh, this wonderful ninety third our ninety third Oscars episode. Yeah, it's, <laughs> our, it's our ninety third. It's our ninety third. Yep, I, I didn't listen to the first ninety two. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. It's all right. I mean, I put my heart and soul into those ninety two. <laughs> ninety three years of the Oscars, which is crazy because some of the people that are in the Academy right now are probably ninety three years old. <laughs> yes, <gasps> there, there's some there's some dinosaurs in there. Absolute dinosaurs, which I mean really shows like what kind of picks that they're making this year. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just the yeah, overall yeah. Academy is very old and white from what we know. Mm. A lot of and old some of, white bones. Exa- yeah. Some of them, some of those white bones need to be gone. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'll use that as my excuse for this being my second Oscars that I paid any attention to. <laughs> I'll use that as my excuse. I was just about to ask. Yeah. Is there uh, an Oscars like, see like an Oscars uh, year that you remember distinctively in the past um the only other one i paid attention to was probably i think 2014 because i was friends with a couple film majors oh that's annoying (laughs) (laughs) i say that as i was a film major (laughs) so we were we were an annoying group i feel like like half of the people i watched the oscars with were perfectly passably pleasant (laughs) You're just making dinner and your film friend is like, I just watched this French existentialist film with their glass of wine or something. I get it. Like being a roommate with a, uh, a film student could be, a, it could be like that where you're like, okay, Rodney, we get it, bro. <laughs> you like you, you like criterion, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> we were a pain in the ass yeah. and we talked too much to get laid. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that was our college experience. <laughs> Gosh, I was just the only science student in there, just not understanding anything. (laughs) Right. Well, thankfully, I guess it's nice because the Oscars are very separate from like film student in a way. Like film students are almost anti-Oscar, right? Like it's because it's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that are uh, film students, I would say, from my perspective, like like the old cinema you know and the oscars is all about what's new this year Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it can age well and i'm sure a lot of these films are going to age well Mm -hmm. and we can like look back at the oscars of the 20s and 30s and be like whoa that's 
crazy, crazy <laughs> stuff. That's super racist. Yeah, incredibly <laughs> racist. Yeah, absolutely. Ben Hur, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? Right. <gasps> so for you, Matt, yes. what, are you uh, familiar with the Oscars? What, 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 what is uh, this number for you for Audrey's two? <laughs> Do you know, I, I would say I paid attention to the Oscars every year from being about like maybe 12 and then kind of in that hipster way, uh, while, while I was a film student, kind of didn't give a shit about them, but still paid attention to them because that's kind of the deal is that, yeah. like, oh, I don't care about this, but you still pay full attention mm-hmm. to it. Right. Yep. You complain during the entire watch party. That- exactly. <laughs> this is uh, the, the best film of the year. It wasn't even yeah. nominated. Yeah. Guys. What the uh, heck, guys? Yeah. This performance totally deserved it. It's, yeah. It, basically that. And then I, I would say the last like few years I've fallen off just with I kind of fell out of love with film after my degree because you can burn out on it mm-hmm. I think yeah. and study it too much oh, and yeah. then the more you learn about the industry the more you're like screw this um and so there's been a lot of burnout but then this year maybe it's just because pandemic maybe it's because a good friend started a film podcast mm, nice I've, guy. Just, I've just been into films more. yeah yeah, so, for sure. So, so I'd say this year is like the most I paid attention to the Oscars for like five years. That's crazy because this year is the strangest year for the Oscars. <laughs> it's literally the most fucked up year for the Oscars because a lot of movies that people thought they were going to be able to release. Like yeah. people thought the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie was going to come out, who is a consistent Oscar bait kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes great films, but that's like Oscar bait. You know, like the Academy loves that. They yes. love nominating him at least. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. So this year was a lot of, oh, the smaller people get to have the bigger limelight, right? Yeah. And that's good. That, that's good. That feels good. Mm-hmm. That, it's that awesome. feels yeah. healthy for film. For a movie like Sound of Metal, if we yeah. if it was a non-pandemic Ooh. year, where do you think Sound of Metal would have sat? I don't think it really would have scratched the surface with the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that sounds... I can agree with that. It's mm-hmm. I, I feel like... Riz Ahmed might still have been nominated for Best Actor because what a performance, oh but it, it, it might not have been Best Picture. You're right. It mm-hmm. might it might not have been close to that. Mm-hmm. It right. was great. Right. Um, and Riz Ahmed's performance is just spectacular. Always. Disgustingly good. How dare he? How dare he? How dare? I vomited. I threw up. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was yeah. that good? It was that good. Yeah, this guy's up. making me puke. Yeah, this guy made me puke. Yeah, the way that he played a d- deaf guy yeah. <laughs> made me puke. <laughs> and, uh, it, of joy and, of, and, and the connection. Right, and yeah. Not, we definitely, not, not so much, I hate deaf people, so I must puke. It no, was, exactly. That, yeah. No, it wasn't that at all. Too emotionally <laughs> yeah. raw. Right. Yeah. Just bed, just because this is a podcast yeah. doesn't mean you can start insulting deaf people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better change podcasts then. <laughs> so basically, we have there this this article that came out recently that said, Hey, so if you're attending the Oscars, you kind of have to wear a mask, right? Okay. Yeah. You like you you kind of have to wear a mask. Makes but sense. only when there's a commercial break. Because it's being treated like it's a television production and the all of the behind the scenes people will be wearing masks and, and stuff, but it was very vague as to what it meant. And honestly, I think that it shouldn't have been announced at all. They, we should have just seen them with masks or not seen them with masks and it shouldn't have been an article because now everyone's like, why is this a thing? You know what I mean? It introduces the point of debate. My personal opinion, 
they should not be in a big room with a bunch of people masked or not if they're going <laughs> to have them wear masks. But I do understand the loophole of they are on screen. And even if they're not nominated or if they are nominated in particular, we are watching to see that actor sit there. Right. Mm-hmm. They are an on-screen talent. Right. At that point. So I do understand that loophole. And a big part of the Oscars are also the um, announcing of the awards, right? The giving mm-hmm. away of the awards. Yeah. yeah. And that's a huge part of it, too. Obviously, the, when they go up there, they won't be wearing a mask, to what I know. And a large part of the recipients will be over Zoom or some kind y- yeah, of virtual, of right? There's only 170 people allowed at the awards this year. Okay, that's less than WrestleMania by a long over shot. Two bu- <laughs> two buildings, over 144,000 square feet. Right? Okay, so okay. it feels okay. like they're taking more precautions than, I don't know, the I, state of Florida? Exactly. Yeah. So, like, you see the, the right? So, like, like we see the title and then we, you have to work your way down. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. They don't have to wear them. But it, <laughs> it's like a, a majority of, you know, people on Twitter are only going to read the title. You know that's, what I mean? That's true. Uh-huh. So don't make the title. So can we just say it's clickbait then? It's yeah, just, it's clickbait. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a story that was a, it was a slow news day for the entertainment exactly. industry. And they were like, let's create some controversy out of nothing. Let's yeah. get some. Let's, I think it honestly was a, so people start to talk about the Oscars because they're very nervous about it, how it's going to go this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what we saw from the Grammys, it was a train wreck. It, it was terrible. Oh man, other awards exist? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, <laughs> there's other shows where a bunch of white people gather. Gosh. This isn't the only one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> There's more out there. If you're if you're hungry for that <laughs> white people in a room <laughs> content. With that, there's not a whole lot of hype for the Oscars. There's a lot of hype for the movies, but it doesn't seem like a lot of people are talking about the Oscars, which is why we're here to try and kind of... We're, we're mostly... I, I mean, I'm in the same boat. I'm mostly hype about the movies, and I can't wait to talk about the movies. And I think that's how it should be, right? I think so. Like... I, the movies are the most important part that kind of what it's structured around. And mm-hmm. I, I, I do understand the idea of like giving awards and, and praising people for their achievements in storytelling or in anything, but it's all the, all the pomp and circumstance, all the ceremony, all of the celebrity hosts that they've done away with this year, all of the, all of the stuff that isn't anything to do with the films yes. is always the worst part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It always really shows as much as, God, for a long time, I wanted to make dresses. I wanted to be a fashion designer in Wasn't my youth. Wasn't expecting that. Nope. Um, but so I love seeing all of the beautiful dresses. But when you interview someone very famous as an actor, right? Suddenly, you realize most of them have very little in terms of personality. <laughs> they don't. Yeah, have a, yeah. Unless you're so, Hugh Jackman, that guy I feel like always has at any red carpet event. He there's a great interview i think that happened at the oscars or a premiere or something or he points at the guy and he's just like i taught you p.e like 12 <laughs> years ago yeah you you're interviewing me right now but i taught you p.e you know like where they're kind of oh you're a human yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you don't get that a lot that's true yeah there's some people who maybe work too much but don't really have as much engaging personality mm. exceptional at portraying stories and that's that's what you want from them. Like, yeah. Like if you want them to be very good at telling stories, I don't care if they've got a personality. Yeah. <laughs> I was about <laughs> to say they can go home and they can sit and stare at a wall for all I care. Yeah. yeah. As long as they show up 
make good stories. Yep. The end. And look, yeah, please look great for the sake of like for for my Netflix uh, subscription. Please. Exactly. Yeah, I'm look paying good. for this. Look, look great in the film. Yeah. <laughs> on the red carpet. I don't yeah. care. I don't care. You could wear sweatpants. Right. You've worked really hard. Exactly. exactly. If like, you want to go home and have a smoothie, go home and have a smoothie. Yeah. Do it. Mm-hmm. I dare you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> dare you to have a smoothie. <laughs> yeah, Hugh Jackman, if you're listening to this, you better have a damn smoothie, bro. Yeah, you're not even nominated this year, so I have <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> so the awards are fun to watch, kind of, but yeah. uh, evidently it's about the movies. Yeah. But kind of going back to the, the people part of it, is there any specific, like, memories you can think of? Like, you know... Like everyone talks about that one thing that happened at the Oscars, or like an like a or a speech that happened, and there's that Facebook video where it's like the text video and it's like most inspirational speeches or something. You know what Are I you mean? You talk about like that one selfie that happened, and now everyone's like, yes, "Oh my god, it's the that. Oscar selfie." Or that the... would be under least favorite. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 It's only those big things that I hear about, like um, Jennifer Lawrence falling. Okay, that's my least favorite. I think that might be my number one <laughs> least favorite because mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Jennifer Lawrence and that just added to the whole, she's so quirky and mm. different and, you know, for me. Yeah, I think they've done a real, real strong job on her branding. So I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember- never a good, uh, yeah. <laughs> like a positive, it's a bit of a damning indictment of a human being to say. <laughs> The, really the best thing about you is you have strong branding. <laughs> God, I was oh, meaning it no. as a neutral statement. <laughs> oh, no, that's what's depressing about yes. it. It's so aggressively you tore neutral. tore her apart in a neutral state. Yeah. You, that's okay. If you called her a bitch, it would be less offensive. Yeah, yeah. God damn it. God. Um, so I remember that and John Travolta butchering Adina Menzel's name. Is that the oh, Oscars? Yeah. That's a big one. Yep, that's the Oscars. That's a big one. I don't even remember what he said, but it... The wickedly talented one and only Adil Dazim. <laughs> Adil Dazim is Ad- what he says. Adil Dazim. Adil Dazim's. Where at the Oscars? He's God he's forbid. thinking about after the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about that after party. He's not even nominated. Mm. <laughs> but those are the only things that I remember. Yeah, for sure. All right, so you know they still stuck with you. Okay, yeah. we got to give them that. They they made it so far as to make it to me. Mm-hmm. That's big, man. Huge. I like the part where they celebrate the people who've died. (laughs) God. And I I just, I think it's quite like, so so much of the Oscars is pomp and circumstance and fake. And like, it's it's like you're attaching things that aren't related to the movies and the stories that you're celebrating whatsoever. Uh Uh-huh. It's a gold man. What's that about? Yeah. Oh, here's Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Like it, it's all madness and celebrity and nonsense. Yes. But for those three minutes where they showed the work and the life of like the people who we've lost in the last mm. calendar year, it's the only part that feels genuine from the Academy, which is weird because it's a bunch of people who celebrate narrative storytelling and emotion. So you think they would understand how to put on a show for the rest of it, <laughs> but at least they understand how to like remember someone. Ooh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's and very I, true. So I kid you not, every year my favorite part is the bit about all the dead people. <laughs> it was ve- that I remember. I think it was the 2015 Oscars or the 2016 Oscars after Robin Williams died. That was mm-hmm. a very, Ooh. very, very difficult mm-hmm. um, in memoriam uh, to watch because often, I mean, just about right. That shows how big Hollywood is in a way too, is just yes. about every year. There's one that really punches you. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. just like 
man, I can't believe we lost them. And Robin, that one, Robin Williams for me was a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We all grew up on Robin exactly. Williams films, you know, yeah, for sure. Right. He's a part of our, he's a part of our coming of age and our youth. Mm-hmm. Just that spirit of, spirit of youth. Mm-hmm. And it, it died. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Sorry to, sorry to bring you yeah. down with that. <laughs> no, uh, it's fine. It's, it's, I, it's just the thing it's is, a, it's, it's the, Apart from the movies themselves right. and the the filmmakers and the people who experience the stories, it's the only part that feels genuine Yep, for, for me. Uh, so I like it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally back you up on that because it, it's a really special time for people to be like, oh, who is that? And then another person in the room to be like, they were this to me, you know, like uh-huh. I, you have to get into them in this way or maybe you can discover their work through yes. that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and celebrate them for that moment. And I appreciate them for doing that. And I understand like it's a, it's a tight window because there's probably so many people that we don't know about that aren't on mm-hmm. the list. You know what I mean? Yeah. But obviously they have to fit it into a certain window and they only have a certain amount of time. Cause it's, it's television, baby. You yeah. only have a certain amount of time. Oh yeah. Got to get that ad revenue. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well that exactly. That's the whole thing is ad revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Cause if you really think about it, award shows, yep. money. Oh, now you speak my language. And the, yeah. Ca- <laughs> capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anti-capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, you're, you're right. That's what it is all about. And maybe that's why I get so frustrated with it is ultimately it's not for the movies. It's it's for money. It's for ad revenue. It's to keep this symbolic entity of Hollywood alive, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it's quite a cruel industry that has like neglected a lot of voices over the years and right. helped fill the pockets of a lot of people who were already rich and stuff like that. So maybe see that's why the Oscars piss me off in a lot of ways, because it's like, you're presenting something to me that's like a a visual representation of what capitalism does to everyone every day. Hmm. And it's, you're throwing it, but you're mixing it with art. Why are you ruining art with capitalism? Yes, exactly. It doesn't go in the same. Yeah. Like to me, cinema and capitalism to some people can go in the same because then you have movies like Marvel, like with Marvel movies in DC Mm -hmm. where, you know, Avatar and Endgame are just back and forth of who's the number one movie, right? So in a way, like movies shouldn't be capitalism, but it is in a way too. Yeah, it's something that you can't ignore about the film industry. For the most part, it takes money to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it and does. so it takes money to make a movie and you make money off of movies. So it's just, it's something that's inextricably linked Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that I spend sort of a few months watching eight to 10 art house or just well-made movies. And then all of a sudden they're thrown into this arena of bright lights and, and money grabbing and flashy colors. And it, it it's jarring to see these great stories in this way. Do you know what? The best Oscar ceremony would just be like a well-liked filmmaker sat in a chair going... And now it's this category. Oh, Paul, if Paul Thomas Anderson just sat in a chair and just just told us like, all right, they get this. And then that person came in and they talked like it was almost like an interview. And we've established he's not doing anything this year. He could have done it this year. He could have sat in the chair. Yeah. 
and had the little back and forth with the winner. I think he's in post-production, so he might be a little busy. Oh, but okay. we can okay. talk to Tarantino. Yeah, well, yeah, he yeah. might be <laughs> hanging out with some feet, so we'll have to... Well, Oh, Scorsese's filming too. Shit, we're running out of people. <laughs> we're running out of all of these old yeah. directors that we celebrate for some yeah, reason. Exactly, right? Uh, and all the, those three people that I listed are three old white dudes. Yep. Whoops. There we go. I mean, there we go. you know, Spielberg, Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, Scorsese, Fincher... I, I mean, where are we here? It's almost you know? like we live in a society. Yeah, we li- live in a society. That was in the new uh, Justice League film, right? Was it really? Yeah, the it Zack was. Snyder one? Yeah, he's okay. a, Joker said, we live in a society. Oh. He fucking said it. He said the meme? He said God the meme. He is the meme. He is the meme. He is the meme. Right, so we have all these interesting problems with it, I guess, you know? Yeah. What would yeah. be What would be one thing you would like to change about it? Starting with you, Matt. Oh, well, well, probably that. I think the the presentation of it or the idea of the Academy, like I don't disagree that filmmakers and established filmmakers and storytellers should vote on the present day, like the current crop. I think that's a good system. Yeah. What's bad is it that it's this thing that's designed to fill the pockets of the people in who are high up in the Academy yes. and yes. to make money as a TV broadcast and to all this stuff. It would just be a really simple celebration of film. Maybe where like there's a five minute video before before each best picture discussion. That would say it'd be more of a conversation. Mm-hmm. More of a conversation, less flashy, and just sort of celebrating the different kinds of stories that the human race has produced in the last calendar year. Mm-hmm. As a as a unified species of like, what are the best stories we've done? Let's talk about them. Oh, and by the way this one was the best one for acting. Right. Oh, by the way, this one was the best one for cinematography. It'd be less pumping. The, most of our problems come from the fact that we like put gold statues on everything. Mm-hmm. We, we create this idea of fame, wealth, status, and power. Right. And so uh, Parasite, right? Parasite was the best picture last year. And it oh, looks like man. another film that tackles power structures is going to win best picture this year. Cause that's the majority of them. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be eventually the Academy are going to hit a point where they nominate a bunch of films that critique the exact kind of power structure they are. Mm-hmm. And eventually they're going to have to do something about it. They're just gonna these, cr- these films crumble. are about them. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh-huh. That's, I'll say something that's hard for me with Parasite because I feel so passionate about that film. And I think it's, it's good. It's amazing. It's amazing. And a lot of, I think there's a lot of critique of it winning the Oscars because it's like the opposite of what the Oscars are. Like sure. it's almost like the Academy didn't quite understand what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, it was so amazing because all of a sudden it was all these articles that and people were like, "Wait a second, Korean cinema is so sick," mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. huge. And there was a a really great article that came out with Bong Joon Ho where he was saying if people could get over the one inch below a uh, like a foreign film, which is the subtitles, sure, yeah. then they will be introduced to cinema so far beyond their imagination, they can't even know. And I feel like Parasite did a really good job for Korean cinema, but at the same time, it would just show how irresponsibly dumb the Academy is. Yeah, they're blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that reflects in a lot of the upper echelon like Elon Musk tweeting, I loved Parasite. Chrissy yeah. Teigen, I loved Parasite. Oh. But babe, did no. ya? Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you get it? Did you, either of you? Do you know which one you are? You got to know yeah, which like, one you yeah. are. Don't get me wrong. If a, if a multi-billionaire, if a billionaire watches Parasite and then completely changes their worldview, 
and and redistributes that wealth and figures right. out how to be altruistic i would be like yep you understood that film but if someone if a billionaire says that they liked it and then continues to be a billionaire were you just were you hiding behind your popcorn yeah. the entire time <laughs> why were you eating popcorn while watching parasite exactly why weren't <laughs> you eating gold popcorn <laughs> yes the the thing i would change i would probably highlight more of the underutilized categories i would highlight great comedy films oh nice more. oh like yeah. genres yeah golden more. globes kind of does that so bring that more into the yeah house. yeah like because I feel like the Oscars kind of hides behind, like we have to build up all these walls so that people see film as very serious. Mm. Um, but film is used to elicit emotion. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. comedy and animation, I would push way higher. Happiness is a feeling that you can elicit through film. Mm-hmm. And just because it's animated doesn't mean that it's not going to elicit a really strong emotion. Coco made me weep. Mm-hmm. These are films that I think could be highlighted more strongly. So more of a democratization of the Oscar categories and film genres in general. Yeah. But I have a question for you. Is it hard that Pixar takes it in the animation category every time though? It would be hard for me to handle if I didn't nearly weep every Pixar movie I watched. <laughs> and what about you, Bear? Is there something you would change about about the Oscars? If you could, you know, right. take, take a paintbrush. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I'll take that paintbrush or something, you know. Uh-uh. I might write a little uh, outline beforehand, put up some paint tape, and then I'll think about it. Yeah. Um, I think along the lines of you, Audra, um, with like the, the subcategory kind yeah. of uh, genre, mine would be definitely kind of touching on what I was talking about with uh, what Parasite did for Korean cinema through the foreign film bring that into the mix of best picture a little more, right? Mm, Parasite, mm. We, that happened with Parasite. Yes. Parasite commercially uh, and just like socially was just huge. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. it was massive. It's just the number one movie. It's like kind of slowly becoming just like the number one movie ever. Like it will just age <laughs> so finely. It's crazy. But here's the thing. I think that they need to, keep doing that this year they didn't and it kind of they they, they kind of fell back down for yeah me, right and it could be mm-hmm. we, uh, the pandemic is so weird it, yeah it's hard to say if this is like an intentional thing or whether it, maybe 2022 will feel more like they'll champion a foreign film or an animated film and that will move into the best picture category i get that right yeah it would be really nice for them to see a film and not say oh but it's in another language it can't be best picture because yeah because I don't speak Spanish. That's how, how it was for decades. Absolutely. I think. It, mm-hmm. But the thing is, yeah. we're, we're young. And so that's mm-hmm. like, I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing for someone with a younger mind to be like, I don't want to have to read and watch. Like that kind of mentality yep. is, is perfectly fine for a younger brain, but like an academy of old guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, okay, I get it. You don't speak Spanish, but you're human, right? Exactly. You can, you can read and understand emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are supposed to be able to recognize the greatest films. Yes. If you can't look past that inch at the bottom of the screen that's the subtitles, mm-hmm. I question you. Yeah, you're missing out on so much. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the foreign film mm-hmm. category can mm-hmm. bring so much. I watched um, I watched one movie from the foreign film category this year. I wish I could have gotten uh, to the others, but I got to, um, it's called Another Round. Mm. And it's Mads Mikkelsen. And oh. It's about 
It's about okay. these teachers. Did you guys get to watch it? Did uh, you see? No, but I that? love no. him. I want to talk about this for a second hell because yes. it's so it's such a crazy idea. It, it was incredible. It was basically about these four teachers that all find this little nugget of philosophy that is definitely not true. <laughs> that if you remain at a, I think it was a point zero five level of alcohol. <laughs> consistently okay you will or have like a little bit of alcohol in you at all times you will exceed spiritually psychologically emotionally visit like every every lee right all the lees yeah so these teachers decide to remain at a 0.05 bac throughout their entire school days okay okay which is alcoholism yeah <laughs> it is Equally, it, it Matt, you'll love it. Okay. The dark humor aspect of it, it sounds good. Okay. It's brilliant yes. and it's crushing. It's yeah, it mm. is a very interesting take on alcohol within the schools and just like borderline alcoholism. Like, oh, we just like drinking to turning into we are alcoholics and coping. Coping, yep, as it's, well. Relationships, everything changes when you add alcohol into it consistently, right? Yeah, it's about sure. the alcohol at a consistent level. It's very interesting. And that watching that movie this year, I was like, man, these are great. These uh -huh. are this movie is great and honestly could really fit tightly into the best picture category for me. Uh -huh. So that's when I that is one thing I would change is man, these movies are equally as great, if not better than some. Right. So why not throw it all into the mix? Why not, you know, just not focus on America? I get that we have different awards for different countries. Right. Sure. You know, I get that. But that, wh that is why the not devil's advocate position is that it's an American institution kind of thing. Right. But why can't it, you know, why it, can't it just be the world? Exactly. We, that's where it could change. Uh -huh. it, it could. I, here's the thing you mentioned. We're at the 94th Academy Awards now. 93rd. 93rd? Yep. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> you're, you're, so you're, excited you're going. for next you're, year. I'm, I'm already Can't there. wait, guys. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson, let's yeah. go. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> so what if they just like keep things going? You know, we're in a time of great okay. cultural change, great social change. Right. It's the beginning of a new cultural era. Okay. Just keep the Oscars going till 100. That's a big number. That's a nice round number. Three it digits. Is. And then just start after that, just start the World Cinema Awards. And that becomes, and it's ran by the same academy but the academy right. automatically says okay only i don't know 25 percent of us americans can stay the rest need to be from other film institutes throughout the rest of the world and then we start like the global cinema awards because we need more unity we need more cohesion we need more understanding that we're all humans just telling human stories and so let's not do it overnight let's let's not do it tomorrow before the before the oscars ceremony let's not cancel <laughs> it but let's over the next like decade let's let's change it us three let's do it okay yes yeah i will uh emailing martin scorsese right now yeah dear mr cinema okay <laughs> <laughs> all right enough about the academy oh, and the, the white people the politics the poli the yeah all that stuff let's get down to what we've been talking about this whole time about what we'd rather talk about <laughs> yes right? which is just so funny because we're just here for a half an hour talking about the oscars it, and like this systematic um tradition that it is yeah and we're not talking you, about you the feel movies. like if you don't say anything then we just keep repeating the same thing forever exactly yeah so let's get to the movies right oh yeah let's get to the movies the the big thing that we're going to be talking about is the best picture films because that's you know like it's like that's the category right we're we're, we're still in the system of the big oscars money. so we're gonna we're gonna you know cater to what it says we're gonna talk about the best picture nominations 
Those Best Picture nominations are eight films this year. The eight films are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, Matt, how many movies did you watch this year? Uh, I've seen all of them apart from The Father. Okay. All right. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm proud of myself. That's good. It's, it's more than since like maybe 2016. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And Audra, for you? I've seen four and a half of these films. What was the half? I watched half of Mank. Oh, yeah. Because I'm working from home. And so I would come down and watch for a bit and then go back up into another meeting, come down, watch for a bit. Amanda Seyfried, exceptional. Oh, yes. Easily the best performance in that. Easily the best thing about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Gary Oldman? Great performance, just terrible casting. Oh, Holy wow. Shit. This guy is supposed to be Pop playing off. an age range between 35 and 47. That's true, and yes. And he looks 60 the he entire looks, time. He, lo- he looks like a old dying man yeah. that's true one of the scenes i did see was him talking to who i found out was his wife um i thought she was his daughter mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. scene that i had popped into before i thought that she was a daughter caring for her father and then i walk in and she's like something something i'm your wife and like <laughs> having a husband like you or something i was so confused. I, I was like, say what is this child bride situation? That's a confusing uh, situation in the film. Yeah, and it, it's bad casting, but also you were popping in and out of the movie. You can't yeah. entirely blame it on the on the film there. For no, that but that, so again, that is just entirely the casting. I saw the part where Amanda Seyfried is swept away with him and they walk in the garden. And I was like, don't go with that old man. <laughs> Why? So. It, it was just, it was just, Weird. I mean, like Mank was a great film. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yes. Right. I thought it was really good. It mm-hmm. was beautiful. Do you know what? I would describe it as charming. It was a charming film. It I is was a charming film throughout the whole thing, by the dialogue, yeah. right. by the performances, by how it looked. It's just, it's a cosplay, isn't it? Oh, damn, it's, bro! It's a, it's a bit of a cosplay. Because here's the thing. Okay. You can teach a any film student how to shoot a movie like a previous director. You could say like. Here's a budget, make a Tarantino, and most film students could have a crack at making a Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What I want to see from films is originality. I want, like, a, a new director with new perspectives, not just doing what one of the greatest directors of all time did, but mm-hmm. now. Okay. It's a cosplay. Wow. A LARP. <laughs> it's a bit of a LARP. LARP. Yeah. <laughs> a charming LARP. Yeah. A great LARP. LARP. And yeah. Right, gosh, yes. Amanda Seyfried LARPing as that, <laughs> <laughs> as that golden age Hollywood star. Her face was built for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that is interesting. I, I watched the film when it first came out in November. When I first finished watching the film, I was delighted. I was, I mean, I was... Like this is amazing. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if this didn't win, you know. Mm-hmm. And then all the other Oscar movies came out, right? November's a very early time for Oscar sure, season. Sure, yeah. And it has not settled with me as well since I've watched all of the other films. But I think I like it for the perspective of Fincher was making a love letter to Hollywood sure. in a way, right? Yeah. He made. I mean, he made. You know, the uh, every every neckbeard's favorite movie, Fight Club. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, Finch is a good director, but to to jump on what you said about it being like he made a love letter to Hollywood. Let me challenge you. Does Hollywood need a love letter? Ooh. Is it not a 
Oh, isn't I, the I, Oscars a love letter to Hollywood? What about love letter to? Well, no, the movie's kind of a bit of an F you to Orson Welles. Yeah, maybe. it was yeah. kind of a bit. Of an <laughs> <F you to laughs> Orson Welles. Not a love letter at all. But I guess it was kind of. Yeah, I suppose it played the line of like we're gonna recognize him for his the style, but then like criticize. But do the, they need it? The wow. industry at the time. Yeah, that's another thing as well. Is it did his speech, Manx's speech at the end when he's like at the dinner party? Mm-hmm. I saw that. And that really is, that's like, that's another one of those things that's damning of Hollywood and damning of power structures. That's like, look at you evil people who don't care about anything. True. And if that, if, so if Manquin's best picture, that's going to be two years in a row that they failed to understand the message. (laughs) 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 Which is like such a great nod to the director. Like you did it, you beat society, but then it's also just a complete downslope and no progress at all like you didn't yeah. get the point you know po- pointing out that the world is evil and no progress is happening isn't changing it that's what i do yeah. you, should, you should be be professional yeah. do change it actually change the world <laughs> kind of like in the same boat of classic hollywood stuff trial chicago seven mm, yeah. um sorkin you know, Matt, Sorkin. you love the Sorkin. I like his scripts. Oh, I agree with you. I love him too. I mean, he the man is a genius when he puts the pen to the paper with Mank being in the 40s, Trial Chicago 7 being like 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Two period piece films. Yes. Right? Juice and the Black Messiah also is, but these two like really, really cater to being like, this is the 60s. This is the 40s. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, that- I think the Trial Chicago 7 it's very much like we want you to know that this is the 60s to me in a bit of an annoying, cheesy way. But no, it's fair. You know, what do you think? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that in that they both feel like uh, period pieces compared to Judas and the Black Messiah. That feels much more like a character study that so happens to be set Great at that period. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, L- Trial of Chicago 7. Love the script. Lovely. Yep. Breezy watch. We all watched it together. We did. Oh, yeah. oh, you say breezy watch, but I wanted to burn some motherfuckers' houses down. Oh, yeah. You're pretty mad. So, yep. yeah. Sure, but I'm, I'm thinking about it in compa- specific, oh. specifically in comparison to Judas and the Black <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. Very breezy. I was a too in broken to... Yeah. <laughs> it, there's just some... It's, the, it's sulking. Just at the point where a serious moment happens, there will be a quip from another character within 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I probably think this film shouldn't win best picture it's probably not the best of them because it there's there's even one other film in the same nomination bracket that tackles that period better so how can it win yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah like i like trial of the chicago seven for the script purposes and like you're saying for the aaron sorkin purposes but it it's interesting because there's a lot of when you watch movies and you compare them with the other movies right because yeah. i mean we're ranking them right that's technically what we're doing that's what the yep. academy's doing it's like sure, which one's yeah. the best one right and then a uh, trial of chicago 7 came out in october of 2020 since then pretty much every other movie is better for me it sits at the bottom right and it <sighs> yeah it, it does yeah if you mm-hmm. it, that's just my opinion no um, but, but it, it might because i hadn't thought about the ranking fully and it's like yeah it might be i, I haven't seen the father so i suppose it's not fair but it do you know what it is? It didn't. There was nothing about the direction that blew my mind. It mm-hmm. blew, it mm. felt in a. This is gonna sound harsh. It felt like a HBO TV movie. Yes. In terms of how it looked. Right. Script was much higher quality. The performances were much higher quality. Mm-hmm. But how it looked, it could have been made for TV. Yep. It could have been. It could have been a series in a way too. Yeah. 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 It definitely made for TV is. It's a. That's a hit for sure. <laughs> 
and, uh, and do you know what? Saying that now in the 21st century, that's not as damning as it would have been in the 20th century. Especially in a pandemic area too. When yeah, we're yeah, all watching a lot of good TV. stuff. A lot of good stuff. And right. It's still very quality. Right. And still well worth watching. Yeah. Just not mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of the ones that I think I could watch again. Because mm, mm. a lot of the... Actually, Audra, could you ex- could you explain your philosophy on on difficult movies? Um, I hate difficult movies. I get impacted by them so deeply in my soul. Yeah. I feel manipulated. That's what they're supposed to do. Yep, um, that's the it's, point, right? It's literally the point of movies, <laughs> and it we wrecks can, me. We can go watch Schindler's List right now if you want. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Um, I get impacted so much by them, so I typically choose to watch the same movies I always watch. <laughs> Or or funny movies. So difficult watches are difficult for me in that way. But this one, because of the ensemble cast, it's spread out. Like you said, Aaron Sorkin typically puts in a quip. Yep. Of them all, I might be able to watch this one again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just love your thought process and philosophy on it because you always come away from them. Once you process the emotion you're like, wow, that movie changed me and it's good. And it's, I, I think about it all the time and it's wonderful. But in the heat of the moment immediately after, you I either want to- movies. I'm never going to watch <laughs> another movie <laughs> yeah. again. Yes. Why are we not watching? Why are we not watching Parks and Rec on a yeah. loop right now? <laughs> Double Exposure is the worst podcast ever. <laughs> what the heck? That's right. So that's funny you mentioned the ensemble because a huge theme in the Oscars this year, or just like in any award show too, a category is ensemble as well another ensemble that i think of um is minari um as far as just like the group setting Ooh, goes yeah. right child chicago seven it's an ensemble for sure they're mm-hmm. they're all interacting with each yes, other and yes. minari too they are it is a strong family group right they're absolutely all, they're all kind of doing their own thing in minari they're all going through it yep on their own but they come back together in this and communicate what they're going through sort of um yeah another strong strong film strong film i would say the most like classically moving oscar story yeah of 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 the of the lot of them um brand new perspective like it's it's still telling like a rags to riches story set in the 80s i think Mm -hmm. but focusing on a korean american immigrant family yes and so it's like it's like you're gonna recognize about half of the themes from like if you're like me and you're a white Western person, you're going to recognize half the struggles because they're the same struggles that affect anyone who's ever found themselves in a desperate situation. Yeah. But the other half are just this brand new cultural perspective that I knew very little about. Yeah. That's nice to then. Oh, oh, cool. I really connected with this film. I think I would probably rate Minari higher than I think a lot of people probably would just because I did connect to it so deeply. Mm-hmm. I am not a Korean American immigrant, but <laughs> my family. Thank you. Good to know. Yes. Good to know yeah. for the people listening. Yes, yeah. Yeah. this is right. not a visual medium. <laughs> but before I was born, my family moved from Colorado to the Midwest so that my dad could do organic farming. My mom didn't want <laughs> Holy to go. Shit. Like there was medical problems in the family. Um, the organic farm didn't work out. Was your grandma there? No, she was just mad we left. (laughs) That's the only thing that's different. That's the only thing that's different is Grandma grandma Lovey did not visit. Gotcha. Maybe once. Um, But so I connected to this deeply, this struggle of, no, we're here because there's there's dreams here and it's cheaper here and Mm -hmm. we can grow here. 
um, compared to Colorado was getting expensive at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So I really connected to that type of struggle. So I'd probably rank it higher than I think a lot of other people would. Absolutely. Oh, it's a great film. It Definitely. wrecked me. They yeah. all wrecked me. It's a wreck. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of wreckers in this one too. There's a lot of touchy. There's not a lot of, there, there's no like, oh, whoop de doo Maybe Mank is like I was like going to say Mank is like the closest it gets to it in terms to like of like a comedy like, or yeah, something. Yeah. Like the comedy. None of them are a romp. Exactly. I wouldn't describe any of the Best Picture nominees as a romp. Do you know what? I'd describe Mank as a romp. Yeah. So, you would? Yeah, I think cool. I would. You'd I think, describe it as a romp. Cool. I, I think that. Um, I think Promising Young Woman might be a bit of a romp. It It's the closest we get to a comedy. It is. In that it plays more things for dark comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. A, a, a lot more. Right. Like, and, vi- and visual as well. It's a very... Uh, the directing is beautiful in yes. terms of not necessarily the shots and the composition, but how witty the directing is like just that yes. the opening scene of just the use reversing the male gaze on the dance floor mm-hmm. is just that's a that's witty that's smart instantly i was into the film because i was like oh i kind of know what this film's about and the fact that you're opening it with this shows that you the director and the writer really knows what this film is about they really focus on the implications in that film mm-hmm. um I, yeah i really want to know what you guys what your first watch was like i saw the movie twice and my first watch was I was it was a movie I'd never like I it was a watch experience I could never explain fully because it was so it was just so intense it's mm-hmm. it brings up a lot of very strong emotions. What was the first watch for you? What was that like, Audra? I had mixed feelings for the first bit because the first bit of the film before it gets into the core the core point of it is that she reconnects with her past and can kind of close up some loose ends. Yep, right. (laughs) Um, But beforehand, the premise is kind of that she will act too drunk, a guy will take her home, hoping to take advantage of the fact that she's too drunk, and then she suddenly snaps into, I'm sober, what the fuck are you doing? The first part kind of felt like, you know those videos where it's like, watch this person own the libs yeah. <laughs> um it felt like the reverse of that like a <laughs> it almost felt like an algorithm generated thing that i'm supposed to like yeah for that first part and so i was a little off put like you read my diary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're making exactly what i what you think i want yeah. and How then it fell into what the actual story was mm-hmm. i was in it yep. at that point you're right. Yeah. For me, similar, less relatable, uh, mm-hmm. but certainly if the film had sti- if the film hadn't had the twists, it would have been bad. And, mm-hmm. and, but the fact that sounds almost daft, like if this film had been different, it would have been bad. <laughs> right. The, it was a great film because of the story structure, because of those little beats and those little twists were heart wrenching, yeah. gut punching, all of the yeah. cinematography and writing and acting that they used to make us like Bo Burnham as a character was a big thing. and then it turning out that he's just as big of a piece of shit and it's like that's something that we as an audience have to reckon with as well at the same time was powerful very Mm -hmm. powerful i was waiting for that bomb to drop from the scene where she mentions she doesn't like al Mm. and he says oh he's not that bad of a guy i was like oh no yeah here's his downfall yeah and that's pretty early on right but i immediately had a suspicion. Yeah. Came true. <laughs> yep. Whereas I'm a guy. I'm, I'm apparently that's what yeah. society tells me I am. 
And so I, I've, I've heard Bob Burnham say that and like, oh, he probably doesn't know him that well and doesn't know that he's a complete piece of me shit. Me too. I, I was, I was, I was, so, I was, I was apologizing so, for him. Yes, me too. I was like, he doesn't get it. He's a little naive. He's uh-huh. just a dude. Yeah, it's fine. I know what the hell, man. And Audra just saw right through it. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. That's what. And <sighs> it's the kind of thing. hard. For everybody knew. Every student at that school knew what Al did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if there was that allegation of it might have happened, the fact that he said he's not that bad. Mm-hmm. He was young. The mis- Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you hear that a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you know what the movie is based off of? Yeah, it's the Brock Turner case, right? Yeah, it's because uh, the... He's a promising young man. Exactly. Yeah. It was jaw-dropping. And it was terrifying and real and true. And I will say, Carrie Mulligan... Oh, I was been, hoping you were gonna say that. Has been Karen Mulligan. Woo, man, she's a. I think she's exceptional. Can I just say, I hope she gets Best Actress. It's looking for, good for that. It's looking very, very, the, very good. She has been me, sweeping. The thing for me in that film, in every scene she was in, she felt untouchable. Yes, mm-hmm. she was this un- had this unbelievable aura. Even even in scenes where like where she was just working at her coffee shop or whatever she was giving off these vibes that were like, this woman doesn't even want a handshake. She doesn't, she doesn't even want you to say hello to her kind of thing. Like just the energy of just being untouchable because of trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That must be hard to do. Mm-hmm. It, to portray that must yeah. be unbelievable. It was really well juxtaposed, I think, because she was giving off this full aura of do not fuck with me mm-hmm. in this big sphere around her. And then it's counterbalanced with all of these, like they styled her very youthful. Like mm-hmm. all of her fingernails are painted a different color. But her hair and how bright her hair was and her mm-hmm. outfits. And how, the like, ribbons. Yes. She had ribbons in her hair, mm-hmm. which I don't see on too many like women of an age that she was portraying. Right. Yeah. Pink polka dot suitcase is what they got her. So. Yeah. The whole movie is very pink, very plush, very purpley as well. You know, it's very mm-hmm. light. It's kind of um, almost like a child bedroom kind of thing because yeah. she is still living in her parents' house. So she still has some of that childlike nostalgia kind of with her in a weird way. And she also is still kind of like living into all the experiences in college as well. So she's like kind of back in that world with mm-hmm. her, her friend Nina who passed away, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so she's still like living that out. But at the same time, she says to people, don't fuck with me. But then like at night, she, they do. Right. Yeah. Which is yeah. crazy. You, you fuck with me on my terms. On my terms. Yeah. Gosh, it, everything about this, even to the very end, is on Cassie's terms. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's is, good. That's Ooh. agency. That's the opposite of the subject of the film. That's yes. like... If the subject of the film is the ultimate removal of agency that leads to suicide and death. Strong, strong picture. I think kind of sits, honestly, if you think about it, sits at more of the bottom tier for me. Um, it's still very, very good. Hey, but as long as Carrie Mulligan walks yeah. away with yes. the Oscar, I'll be happy. That's the thing. Yeah. I if think she she'll does. walk away with it. Another strong female performance, I think, of two that I saw was The Father. Um, oh the yeah, the, I haven't seen this one, but yes. that's Olivia Coleman. Olivia right? Coleman, yes. Oh, Fl- oh man, uh, Florian Zeller. It was. I, I'll educate you a little bit. It was oh, a play. Uh, formerly, it was a stage play, and they made it into a film. 
Um, and I believe the director is working on films called The Mother and the Son and the Daughter coming up. Oh, it's going to be. Oh, a, a franchise. The Avengers. For, yeah, Unite. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, for How the Father Went, I am looking forward to those films. The nice. Father was exceptional. Um, I think Anthony Hopkins is a strong, strong contender, honestly. Okay. Like with Riz uh-huh. and Chadwick Boseman, he's yeah. very, very strong because it's it's crushing. It's crushing. I've got r- grandfathers right now that are the age mm-hmm. of the character in the film whose name is Anthony. They kind of just kept it mm-hmm. the same name. Um, and he slowly just starts to slip into uh, dementia. But the mm-hmm. film is interesting because... The film, and I encourage that you watch it. I encourage you to we'll watch it. It's really it good. Out, yeah. it, it, you, you struggle to know what's reality yourself because you're seeing it from his perspective. Okay. Um, and it was very, very good. It sits high on my list. And I do not think it's going to be recognized well at the Oscars. Okay. Um, but I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be disappointed if it did. Honestly, I wouldn't be disappointed. Nice. We'll check it out. Yeah. I saw, I, I saw most of these movies in theaters. I say about 75% of them. Um, but this one I saw in the comfort of my own home and that was sound of metal, which I wish I saw in theaters. I think that would have been an interesting agree or disagree. What do you think? I mean, it might've been really good with headphones on too. I was about to say that. I was about to say possibly an, because we watched it at home too, but Mm -hmm. possibly an even more intimate experience. Having said that, couple of the scenes would work so well in theaters. Yes. I think sound editing, they have this one in the bag. Oh, surely. Absolutely. If anyone beats it, then the Oscars need to end at 93. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're done. It's interesting, the sound editing, because yes, it was it was incredible, but also you'd mainly be awarding that for silence, right? Like yes. as in the final scene where there's all the sound, but then the removal of the sound for that clarity. I have never been so moved by silence in possibly my life. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, Oh, wow. You're going to you're going to win the Oscar for not doing any sound. That's that's no. Uh, there's it's, plenty of sound throughout. Yeah. <laughs> it's the knowledge of when to use sound and when to strategically and impactfully use yep. a lack of sound. Yes, it's amazing, right? It's very good. This one for me, I think Riz Ahmed's got it in the bag and I love uh I love stories that yeah, Riz Ahmed is incredible. Yeah, he's in incredible. Unbelievable, Unbelievable in this. Um I I love stories that explore uh, addiction, but it's been a while since I've seen an original addiction film. Mm-hmm. But by incorporating the idea of like loss of hearing and then also like the artistic and then charitable themes as well, it was just a, a different way of telling an addiction story. So that was good. Um, his perform- whenever he had any of his breakdowns, like any of his emotional, uh, like bouts of frustration, of anger, of, of sorrow, that's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I what lo- it looks like. I love that you couldn't hear him sometimes. Yeah, that it was just silence because it was another movie that was his perspective. Like the father, the Sound of Metal is through his lens, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. about like you're you are hearing his what he's going through in his years. Yeah, and there's such there's such a exceptional use of the sound editing in the times where they have a long section from his hearing point of view. Like I specifically think of the group signing around the table Mm. and it's just quiet for a while and you're just watching these interactions watching these interactions and then it sharply cuts to full sound yes like the clanging of the glasses and the this and the that and the hitting on the table to get people's attention like it's sharp 
it is jarring uh-huh. um, the difference. Mm-hmm. And I think going that direction puts it in more of a stark contrast to those of us who are hearing, you are mm-hmm. listening to this podcast. Um, it's more of a stark juxtaposition that way for us. Exceptional sound editing, mm-hmm. exceptional acting. Except- yes. Exceptional film. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wrecked me at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> we took right. a break. We took a walk. We came back. Oh, good. We watched the rest walk. of the movie. You took a walk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's we amazing. We went to the walk. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. You know, shout out ears, man. Gotta yeah. love the ears. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I really toned down on the, on the usage of audio from this. My, my car stereo now doesn't go that loud. Um, I, I, I've been a little more careful for yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I've certainly re-upped my, uh, the, the way in which I'm mindful about my it's audio level. It's, it's, it's really no joke. My, my dad, this movie, I remember my dad texting me saying, you need to watch Sound of Metal. Yeah. And I watched it the day after and I was like, I know why. Cause my dad, uh, has severe hearing loss like he has hearing aids and he knows sign language and it, every year his hearing just gets worse yeah so i'm like i get why you love this uh-huh. you know because in the deaf community cochlear implants like you learned from the movie uh-huh. it's like no go you know embrace mm-hmm. what you have but like for them they were born with it some of them mm-hmm. you know so that interesting and that really struck a chord with him and i understood it from my father's perspective too so yeah so, one of my closest friends uh his dad uh, is losing his hearing and was a drummer in a touring band. Wow. Oh my gosh. So like we had a conversation about the the film and was just like, yeah, that's if, if, if Minari was made for Audra apart from (laughs) the Korean Korean immigrant aspect of it. It's like, this was made for my friend's dad or possibly just dads out there, you know? Yeah. Dads out there will really love the sound. Really love this. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh, something, Something that was really interesting for me is seeing some of the things um, that I had seen before. I lived for a summer with a ASL interpreter, mm-hmm. like his family and his daughter was one of my really good friends. So I lived with them and just seeing a few of the things that they practiced, especially on the like cochlear implants mm-hmm. of just the, this is not a disability. This isn't something to fix, mm-hmm. um, which I think Riz Ahmed took a more drastic route to learn mm. and to be able to just sit with himself. Right. Yeah. Cause until that, like until these events, he couldn't sit with himself. We see it in the first scene or one of the first scenes where he wakes up early and he's making breakfast and we're doing the smoothie and then he's doing push ups and all of this stuff. There is no stillness. No. In any point. Right. Um, he's just, he's moving for the sake of keeping his mind busy. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. It's, Cause it's about addiction. It's addi- yeah. Mm-hmm. And foremost. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Also, you know, under the lines of like, I can't be fixed. This can't be fixed is um, nomad land. Right. Mm-hmm. Where we have a character who's in a position where she doesn't want to be fixed and yeah. everyone is trying to fix her love for the road. And yeah, this oh, this movie is so 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 beautiful, and I think is really really strong for like this longing that people have for like wanting to get out again and interact with humans mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. right? And we can't quite do that yet. We're getting there, but we can't quite do that yet. And Nomadland is a beautiful um, portrayal of being able to do that, like right, you know 
film pretty film, film like kind of like months before the pandemic is wow. when filming wrapped and it's just crazy to see the human interaction in this that we all uh can appreciate so much and how raw it is yeah yeah it's it was a magical film magical um it's it's one of those things where it reveals her trauma pretty much up front it's like right mm-hmm. at the start we know mm-hmm. she's lost her husband who was the love of her life and she's lost her job and the town that was connected to that job is completely gone which is a crazy perspective too uh-huh. and that's a real thing oh 100 that's a real town that actually happened to that town yeah it's a- empire it, nevada i think all across the west after the 2008 financial yes yeah. oh my gosh um which which was to make a callback that was capitalists who did that uh <laughs> it it's 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 one of those weird things where we know exactly what her trauma is right at the start but until we get the extra pieces of information about the specifics of that trauma throughout the film we're just as lost as she is like we don't have that clarity either it's like okay i kind of get why you're doing this but i also don't and this and, and it's the same position she's in and it for me it's not until that final uh scene where she goes back to the back to the hometown and she goes back to the house that hmm. they lived in yeah. and she looks out the window and on her porch and she and we get a landscape that's the exact same as we've been seeing on the road yep. all across america and then she's described picturesque, picturesque thing yeah that that's why she she's not nomadic because she's in love with the nomadic lifestyle like a lot of the other people are. It's because she hasn't let go of her trauma and she wants to constantly look out of her kitchen window. Yeah. Yeah. But she can't anymore because her kitchen window doesn't exist. But what does exist is the American landscape is, is the same picture in other places. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So it was, I, I kind of infer at the end that she is going to go settle down somewhere Mm -hmm. or she's going to be more secure in being a nomad. Mm-hmm. The question throughout is why isn't she comfortable with this? Mm. And it's because she hadn't addressed the trauma. She addresses the trauma. The release is there. The comfort is there. Beautiful film. Beautiful. I love. I love that they they use the road and they find the community within the road. Mm-hmm. Right. They find all the people that also are running from trauma. And the whole purpose of that group is the that the trauma hurts and it's hard, but. There's other people that are going through the same thing mm-hmm. in anything in life, right? And we're all chasing to not get rid of it, but to embrace it and to nurture it and to love it. And I can't think of a better director to tackle that subject of like like trauma and nursing it and loving it and really like appreciating the mental health aspect of it than mm-hmm. Chloe Zhao. Um, the writer or the movie before this, is a lot about that with brain trauma, within bull writing. And really, she is able to bring in real people in real towns and scenarios into um, a film, right? Yeah. This is a fun little uh, tidbit about the film. Technically, Frances McDormand is just playing herself. If you look closely, there's a scene where she's handing her driver's license uh-huh. um, to uh, the very first place where she was paying, uh, I think... At the RV park. Um, at the RV park, yeah. If you pause it, it says Frances McDormand. And Damn. they just call her Fern. And people call her Fern in real life. Yeah. And Ooh. so it's amazing because it's just life. Like for like you kind of just think for a second, she just became a nomad for a few months. Yeah. And mm-hmm. those all those restaurants she went and worked at 
And um, oh, it's all it, real. It's all real. You know, I was yeah. I was sitting on my phone being like, is this a real place? Oh, it is a it's real place. It's a real place. <laughs> yeah. It, it's amazing. And when she went to the Badlands and, and the tour guides and all the random people, if you look, sometimes people will stare at the camera like for a long time. They will <sighs> stare at the camera for a long time because they're like, what the hell is going what is on? This? What is mm-hmm. that? There's like a huge crew. Gosh. Are they shooting a cinema? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I'm so excited to watch this film. This is one of the ones I haven't seen, but that looking at the looking at the plots of the films, this is one of the ones I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I nice. love the idea of someone who because she's lost her husband, lost her town, she has lost both her emotional and mental context for her life and the physical context. Mm-hmm. And so now must go on the road to find both her own mental and physical context for who she is now. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love that exploration, the idea of going forth and exploring. Yes. And she's exploring both emotionally and that's represented through physical exploration. Yes. It's a it's a grounded wonderlust. It's not like an Instagram blogger's version of travel. It's oh, actually this is what travel it's looks not like if you actually life. attempt it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's gosh. not van life. Yeah. And I'm great. telling you, I've watched enough videos of van life in tiny houses. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a privileged position to be oh, yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To to have that type of situation. But what does that need to find something look like? when you don't have that hmm. how do you how do you find yourself without a instagrammable tiny house because yeah the rest of us don't have one i'd argue that the people with the instagrammable tiny house aren't finding meaning they're just being vain but that's a topic yeah. for another time i think they need to watch yeah. nomad land yeah. get a bit of a yeah. reality check <laughs> honestly yeah watch they a bit do. of francis mcdormand being francis mcdormand absolutely yep. absolutely i think they definitely do What's happening with Nomadland right now is very frustrating because it might it's probably going to get best picture, right? It feels and like a favorite. It feels like a favorite. It's definitely a fan favorite. It's it, it's unbelievable. It's remarkable. It's my favorite film of the bunch. My favorite film of the year. Mine too. Um oh my <laughs> gosh, thank goodness. And yet you know what? Yeah, I'm going to say it. The LA Times, man, they made this article oh, yeah? where they oh. they wanted to and we don't have to talk about this for too long. But they wanted to add some controversy on the best picture of the year. And you wonder if it's just like, what are they trying? What is to accomplish right now? Wait, this what, is did, what did they claim? Movie. What did they claim? They claimed that it was like a pro Amazon film because our Wait, character. Wait, what? Sorry. Sorry. Nomadland. Nomadland. They thought Nomadland was a pro Amazon film. They thought Nomadland was a pro Amazon film because our character Fern works as a temporary job, write that, right? Temporary job. With no benefits. No benefits whatsoever. Temporary job. Come in, work for us for a little bit. We need you for a bit, but yeah. just know that we're going to drop you at any point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and she's aware of that and she has no issues with it. Uh-huh. And then she moves on and finds another yeah. thing and mentions it one more time in the film. They are considering it a pro Amazon film and that it's like supporting capitalism, like blah, 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 all of this. Promoting, it's nice to work at Amazon. Exactly. Is that oh what they're, goodness. is that what they're, all that, that's I have not, not seen how the I film. read that <laughs> at all. Mm-mm. I read that as this big evil company comes into towns, builds big factories cheap in towns that have been destroyed and hires temporary workers that they don't have to offer salaries or benefits to. 
they're, they're disaster capitalists. Exactly. That's, that's what yeah. Jeff Bezos is. He's a, he's a mass disaster capitalist. You've seen it this year. This, right. the, the pandemic, he's become richer. He's mm-hmm. profited off of this pandemic. Yes. Thought that I had here, you specifically mentioned um, in the plot that she got laid off from a factory job and then Amazon, she works in like a warehouse style factory. Yeah. I'm assuming she's one of the warehouse workers. Yeah. yeah she just that yeah, gets she treated terribly. Yep. Um, are there any parallels that you saw, either of you, between her factory work before and this? Is there any... F- things she finds out oh, well, in this there's not much in that she sees it she views it like bear said like as temporary work that is just happy to have for a season and then move yeah. on because they're not going to treat right. her well but i would the only potential juxtaposition is that the amazon factory feels very robotic uh everything looks clean crisp and not human and um, the only human thing in it is like the cafeteria scene where the people are talking to each other, but everything else is like an assembly line. Right. Whereas, and where she's waving to people though. And she's saying hello and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, she, Because that's her. Yeah, right. Cause that's her. So it's not Amazon. It doesn't represent an Amazon as uh, in any way. And it shouldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, when she goes back to her factory that is closed down and she visits it and empty, the offices are more spacious. Everyone has their own personal space. There's a mug that is like says happy birthday and it looks like it like has someone's name on it and stuff. So it's like the company cared a bit more. They might have still been the same sort of like mm-hmm. capitalists, but they at least weren't disaster capitalists. They were just yeah. old fashioned. We're going to give you a job and a salary and a this and a that. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, I don't think Amazon come across as very good <laughs> in that film. They come across like monsters. No, definitely. And you can't judge it for the people because I think people are thinking that it's a pro Amazon movie because of how like happy everyone is in it and stuff because they're just people. They're being yeah. optimistic and they're just being people. They're choosing to enjoy the work they're doing, even though maybe it's not the best work. Maybe they enjoy it. Who knows? If they enjoy the work, they're at Amazon. If you work at Amazon and you have a good time, good for you. You get paid well. That's fine. You should get benefits and you should be paid better. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> the people of that workspace don't represent the entire company as a whole, no. which is what the media is trying to portray. Mm-hmm. That this pure, precious film <laughs> creates a non... It's a non-issue. It, it, it truly is mm-hmm. a non-issue that was trying to stir some publicity, stir the pot a little bit, and... I, I'm so mad it popped up on my Twitter. You know, I, I, I'm oh, like, what? That's I just, timelines for you. Yeah, I know. I just read the replies and everyone was like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, it, no one understands why it it's being criticized. And so I think we can say that it's banished. Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah, our we, general consensus. Yeah. They didn't understand the idea of using Amazon as a backdrop to demonstrate the resiliency of the human spirit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 not our fault that yeah. a writer for the LA Times doesn't understand stories. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of a story. Oh yeah. That's a that's a segue that could have worked for any film on this. <laughs> yes. But uh, but this one but, Hey, which one, you, which one do you which one do you guys think I'm talking about? <laughs> we do have one film left. The one, the one film we the have. The one discussed. movie. <laughs> Speaking of uh probably one of the most angering film, angering stories in this, because there's a lot of angering story, angry stories yeah, yeah. in this. Maybe, maybe to Audra, this might be the most angering. Angry oh, face. this made me the most angry of Judas, all of them. Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah is definitely 
I think I think it's the most angry I felt too. I was pretty angry during Trial of Chicago Seven, more annoyed, but this one was like, yeah, anger. Because this one, like you're we not touched like, on earlier, it, yeah. we were in it with the people a lot more. It right. was it was not just the courtroom, the legal system, the this, the that. It we were we were there with Fred Hampton. Like you Bo- said, too, character study. Yeah. Right. We were there with Fred Hampton. We were there with Bill O'Neill. It's a character study of the t- of mostly Fred Hampton, but also Bill O'Neill. For right? sure. For mm-hmm. sure. Right. Um, of the two. And yeah, this one was also very, very powerful, very relevant today. It's it's not a very like long story like Trial of Chicago 7. Yeah. And I put them in the same because it's the same time period. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But overlapping character. Right. Overlapping character. Right. But enough of that. It's just like it's a it's almost it's a more brief period in terms of all that they decide to pack into it. Right. It's a long it is a long period of time that they use because Fred Hampton's in jail for a lot of it. But because of like the personality has, it feels like a smaller glimpse because he's so he's like he doesn't really like grow a lot in the film. He has like the same mentality pretty much throughout the whole film. It's I, it's over the course of like a year, right? Because right. he has two few months stints in prison, but he's also twenty one. Tw- yes, yeah, twenty one. That's, that's I can't why he doesn't change because he's the Black Messiah at twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. He, he's fixed in who he is. He's got his ideological purpose. Gosh, and, mm-hmm. and look, it. I'll just say this as a as a as a British person uh, com- coming to America. The the America in the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies, the rest of the world and it appears black america has one version of events that happened and then white america has the version of events that everyone knows which has led to lots of people being like wait the black panthers were good guys and stuff like that like as has led mm-hmm. to a lot of those reactions and like this is a revelation i think this film is incredibly important because it lays out the story the beats the history of a very important and very difficult chapter of American history that shows a 20th century example. Not, I'm not talking about like colonialism or the founding of America, but a 20th century example of how power structures will stop the people from being equal. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. the big thing for me is Fred Hampton, like uniting all of the working class people. Right. And how he goes to like all of the different uh, groups of people who are looking after their communities. And then it even goes up to the white nationalists and he's like, look, we've got something in common. The powerful and the corrupt are holding us all down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's work together. And right. it's that unifying spirit. Messiah is an, is an exceptionally apt term. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, Beautifully scripted term. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's really important in this film is because white America has been taught a very clear message mm-hmm. about this chapter of history. Um, we're not taught the names influential people whose names we should know mm-hmm. more people know more names now like deborah johnson i didn't know her name mm-hmm. she's a real mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. right these are real people who have real stories that yes we could have gone out and found ourselves and that's on us but now they're here and it's our choice with of what we want to do with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fred hampton has had more of an effect on american history than most american presidents that are remembered oh yeah Yep. So it's like, oh, yeah. why wasn't Fred Hampton taught in schools? Oh, because he tried to unite the working class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, honestly, I like I knew about half of the history and then yeah. and, and stuff. So I know how the, I knew how the story ended going into it. 
But as soon as he had the conversation with the white nationalists, I was like, you're dead. This is the, this, they're really going to crack down on you now. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing this country hates more than the working class and people who are impoverished being unified. Yeah. They might have just stuck with playing off groups of, groups of people against each other, you against the crowns. Like they might have been okay doing that if you didn't try to unify. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all that. Because that's what they hate. And how they portrayed like the the FBI in mm-hmm. that film and also Trial of Chicago 7 as well. Like all of how they're all portrayed as like the sneaky. Yeah. Uh, sneaky informants. Yeah, yeah, that they are. It's, Slimy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Never, it's tough. Never really saying what they mean. I need you to take care of the situation. Mm-hmm. And also bold as fucking brass, the drinking in the office. Like yeah. not only are we going to order the murder of someone. We're going to celebrate it. It's literally just a, it's not even a formal day for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. I'm not even wearing a tie <laughs> while I, while I discuss the murder yep. of someone. Yeah. Powerful film. Very powerful film. Yeah. A very, a very strong contender. It, it stand, I think it is very standalone in that it sits above a lot of the other films, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really, you know, some of the films kind of, kind of blend together in a little bit of uh you know, kind of Oscars kitschy, little bit of Oscars bait kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. For this sure. one stands as like, we are standing for this story alone. We're speaking about these people alone. Very specific, to the point. Um, to I mean, to build on that thought, right. I'd say Trial of Chicago 7 is the more classically Oscar bait version of this mm-hmm. chapter of American history. This was just so much more personal. Mm-hmm. The the idea to do the dual protagonist antagonist thing of like have them both oh. have equal screen time almost and I mean, it's called Judas and the Black Messiah. It's like yeah. you, you pretty know yeah. much know which two characters we're going to focus on here. Exactly. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that was a great choice to tell the story that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the opening up with Judas. He's the first person we see, so yeah. it's almost like the first person you see is supposed to be the one that you're emotionally connected to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but, usually, yes. But that's in this case, it's like. You see early on, you see someone save the cat. Um, <laughs> but in this situation, you see someone betray. Yeah. Like straight up lie, betray someone for their own gain. Mm-hmm. I was screaming at him in the interview at the end. Yeah. Oh. The real life interview. Yeah. Oh, that was terrible I, to watch. The Like saying, at least I stood for something. It's like, no, that's the one thing you Forget didn't you. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, he ha- I had courage. I had- you are... You are a scared little shit. Yeah, you're the Ooh. biggest coward in the whole movie. Oh, I'm mad. In I'm mad story. again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm brooding. But yeah, powerful film. Powerful. Unbelievable. This could be, yeah, th- this film definitely sits high upon the list. Um, and I mean, again, you you look at this list of eight films and you see how strong they are. And that's how it always goes with the Oscars, right? That's mm-hmm. the best picture category. Yeah, of course. Right? We, that's all eight films, right? And they're all strong. You know, and so it makes it difficult to pick each one. It's fun to be able to sit down and talk with others and see who liked what and see and pick which one and think about which one would be the best picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which then brings me to what do we think would be the best picture? And I know and I know we haven't all seen all the films, and that's fine. You know, you don't have to see all the films. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's who cares? Fine. It's the Oscars. It's the yeah. Oscars. Yeah. Who gives a shit? You know, who gives a shit? Um, but so, what would you? What would you guys say is was your favorite film? You know, and you know it. And that's what I want to yeah. specify. It's like your favorite. You know, 
We're not we're not going Oscar terms here. Best picture. What was the best picture? What All was right. your favorite? All right, then I'm I'm just I'm gonna go with Nomadland. Okay. Yeah, I th- I think it was. It's there's definitely two or three that are like just absolute five-star movies for me mm-hmm. i just love stories about soul searching i love stories oh, about yes. being on the road lots of things like that beautiful so let's if i was if i was in charge of the little gold man that's the one i'd be doing it for i'd be hand, i'd be shoving that little gold man yep right across the desk of uh yeah of francis mcdormand and, yep. and chloe Zhao. just straight away they, they can have the little gold man do what they want with it it's theirs Nice. I'll drive right behind you and say that's my favorite too, just to <laughs> stick on the same boat for a second. Stick in the same band. Yep, it is the best. It, it, it was amazing. And I, I had a strong feeling it would be, just going into it, knowing Chloe Zhao, knowing what she wants to do with cinema, mm-hmm. her intent. It checked every box for me as far as the perfect film goes. And for you, Audra? The film I enjoyed the most, I would probably say, is Sound of Metal. It's the one I keep mm, coming back nice. to. And like this idea of stillness and some things are not meant to fix. They are who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely loved that. I would probably give Judas and the black Messiah or nomad land. If they get best picture, I'll be like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, Cause my personal preference, I lean towards easier to watch movies. That was not mm. an easy watch, <laughs> but compared to Judas and the black Messiah, it was a, it was a walk in the park. It was joyous. <laughs> um, so I'd say Nomadland or Judas and the Black Messiah for best picture. I liked Sound of Metal best. Oh. <laughs> Go with Sound of Metal then. Definitely. Strong. Very strong. Very strong. Right. That's all best pictures. What the Oscars has nominated as the best pictures of the year. We've done it. We talked about films. We've talked mm-hmm. about films. We've talked about all of the films. Eight eight films. No, two, usually, that's so many films. I usually just talk about two on this podcast. Even eight films through the same lens? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That lens is the Oscars. <laughs> I've got a third eye, a third lens. <laughs> you need eight of them. Gleaming, eight lenses <laughs> gleaming on my forehead right now. You're like a cinema spy. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, uh, this Oscars is going to be crazy. It, it it From the time of this recording, it'll be... Uh, Two days from now, right? Yeah. Um, will you guys be, be watching, watching it tomorrow? Maybe? Yeah. yeah. Will you, are you guys going to watch? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mainly because of the investment of of this conversation. Of yeah. Just like, I, yeah. I think I started out the conversation thinking, I don't want to watch. I don't care. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just yeah. get through. <laughs> maybe all I'll indulge. Oh, we'll put it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind I kind of want to yeah. make sure that Nomadland wins. Yeah, <laughs> kind of want to see it when Just it happens. Just want to check up on it or something. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you want to live tweet about it or something. Yeah, maybe I'll do that as long as it's not Mank. Let's yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, it, it, I will be disappointed if Mank wins. I will be disappointed. But yeah, I I also will be watching, and I am really curious to see what happens, and curious to see if you know. If the ratings are good and if if people understand it, and th- this just shows, you know, th- this really sets, uh, I think, a standard for how it's going to go from here on out because mm. we have all these interesting movies in a pandemic year. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. And I thank you guys so much for being here with me to talk about this oh, very, thank- very weird film industry that we have. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was great to just talk about the, dif- oh, yeah. the different stories we've consumed over the last couple of weeks. It was nice to have a space in which to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely agreed. Awesome. It was was great to engage with them and process them afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Have a little bit of closure to each each film, being able to talk about each one generally. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. nice. It Mm -hmm. feels good. And Matt and Audra, 
You guys have uh, a wonderful little podcast as well. What is it? Yes, yes. Brand new podcast starts this Thursday, the 29th of April. There'll be a brand new episode every two weeks. It's a pop culture panel game that shines a spotlight on everyone's favorite fandoms. Basically, I make dumb games, stupid quizzes, dumb trivia and improv about all of the fandoms that we know and love, such as Star Wars, Marvel, Lord of the Rings, WWE, everything like that. We play daft games. We have fun. We have a laugh. Gate leapers. Gate leapers. Gate leapers. Leaping Not- over the gate. Yes. Right. Because because screw gatekeepers. Yeah. Screw mm-hmm. uh, screw gatekeepers. We can all agree on that. Yeah. We're gonna mess around in everyone's fandoms. We can all disagree with L.A. Times, but we can all <laughs> agree that gatekeepers are the worst. Yeah. And and to do a callback, who's the ultimate gatekeeper? Capitalism. that's how we ended it yes perfect (laughs) ultra santa was better (laughs) okay thanks so much for checking out this podcast this was a special episode so we'll return to our regular scheduled program this coming friday as well with our next episode on sunday evening we will be live tweeting the oscars so check out at de film pod on twitter and go ahead and check out our oscars thread and i will be tweeting all of my angry thoughts, happy thoughts, strange thoughts, who knows? I'll be live tweeting it. It'll be a great time. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. <laughs>